Amen. You may be seated. And it is a joy, as I mentioned, to have uh, Liz Stroop come and speak to us today. We love having Ryan and Liz and the girls at New Life. We're so glad that we can just call them part of Team New Life. And I know my heart just says, yes, God, to what you want to share through Liz today. And I trust that you'll have that same posture as she comes to speak to us this morning. Thanks, Tom. Ooh, losing a paper. Good morning. Um, we're actually, so it's, I was realizing this is like our one year anniversary. We've been here one year and we're so thankful um, to be a part of this family. Um, it's really been a blessing for um, Ryan and I and our kids to be here. So um, if I have not met you yet in this year, it's not you, it's me. I'm just really shy. And so uh, you might have to make the first move. Um, so, but I would love to meet you, just, you know, the lobby. Someone asked me earlier, they're like, you're not really shy. You did great up there. And I'm like, well, I don't have stage fright. I have lobby fright. So um, just come talk to me in the lobby if you want to get to know me. Um, and uh, we've got three kids, three little girls. Our oldest, Ella, will be eight this week, which is crazy. Um, it's fun to celebrate her birthday um, around 4th of July because, you know, fireworks. Um, our middle is Nora. She's five, and she doesn't need fireworks because she is one. Um, and our last, Josie, she's our baby. She's a year and a half. And I thought maybe she would be quieter than the other two because they're constantly so loud. But so far, she's just keeping up. So uh, no luck there. Our decibel level is just continuing to rise in our house at this point. Uh, the last time that Ryan spoke a few months ago, he talked about our middle daughter, Nora, and uh, at the risk of making it seem like we only have one child to talk about, so am I. Um, but she, to be fair to the others, she is like this big treasure trove of stories. So if you spend even five seconds talking to her, you will learn that really fast, and she would be glad to talk to you about it. Um, she has this like really big and brilliant imagination. Um, a couple years ago, she wanted to make her own Valentines for her preschool class. And if I were doing that, I would like, you know, draw a heart. And then on the next one, I would like use a different color to draw the heart. And then on the next one, I would like maybe draw two hearts. You know, that's like my creativity level. She made these like individually individual valentines that were truly different. Every single one, it was like 25 valentines and they were all completely different. And I just sat there like in awe and wonder, like how, how do you do this? Like how is this just pouring out of your brain? But that's just totally how she's wired. And I'm convinced that it's like her superpower is this great big imagination. She loves to tell stories. She loves to play pretend with her toys. She loves to draw things and give them away. I mean, she's just, she is a thing to behold. But last year, we started to see how, like, this great big imagination also can create in her a lot of fear. Um, last summer, when we were moving, our lives were chaos, you know, like, so much chaos. And she started to get really afraid of storms, like, beyond just the normal kid scared of storms. Um, like scared of 
all weather patterns. I mean, like, she was afraid of, like, a summer breeze because it might be blowing in a storm. She was afraid of, like, white fluffy clouds because, like, they could at any point, you know, turn and, like, become rain clouds. She just, she wouldn't, like, go outside and play. She wouldn't even sit, like, on our covered patio. She just got so anxious about these storms. And we kind of attributed it to the fact that our lives were chaotic and, like, it was just you know, hopefully just like playing out in her emotions. Um, and then winter came and, you know, storms go away. And so it, it settled down and it was okay. And this spring, it was still okay. And I was like, oh, great. Okay, we got through that. That was easy. Um, but then there were bees. Oh, man. The bees were so much worse than the storms. Um, she blew up in her, in her mind what bees were and that they were, like, terrifyingly dangerous. Um, she, like, got in her mind that, you know, every single dandelion has a bee. Did you guys know that? Every, every one. Every single one has a bee on it. And probably the bees can, like, fly as fast as our car and, like, fly in the windows while we're driving. And, you know, maybe even, like, bore through our house and, like, you know, murder us in our sleep or something. I don't, it was, like, this crazy thing. And she didn't want to go outside. She didn't want to play. When we would go to preschool, because I said, we're, we're going to preschool and they're going to go outside. Like, we can't control this. She would, my mom reminded me of this this morning. She would wear a winter coat zipped up with her hood up and pants and snow boots, even when it was, like, 70 degrees. And I was like, are you sure you want to wear that? And she was like, yes, I'm sure. I mean, this fear was, like, debilitating. Um, and I remember saying to Ryan, like, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to come at this. Because, like, it's, just, it's a lie, you know? Like, she's got herself in this place where she believes this thing that's just straight up not true. And I don't know how to fight that because she's not listening to us. And that's when it hit me. She needed to not just hear it, not just, like, know it in her brain. She needed to speak it in order for it to, like, take root. So what we started to do is we started to say truths, speak truths over and over and over again. Basic things that were true about bees. God created bees. Bees are an important part of our world. They help our plants grow. Bees are not going to follow me and attack me when I go outside. I am bigger than the bee. If I see a bee, I can walk away. I'm safe. And we would say these things over and over and over again. When we were even talking about going outside, when we were especially in the car on the way to preschool and in the drop-off line, I would say, who created the bees, Nora? God. Who's bigger? You or the bee? Me. What do you do if you see a bee? I walk away. Are you safe? Yes. And as we repeated these truths over and over and over and over again, eventually that truth replaced the lie and she was okay. I mean, she's still not like ready to like be a beekeeper, but um She's gone from being like basically non-functional when she sees a bee to being just like a little anxious and wanting to be close to us. And that got me thinking that, you know, she has these fears of weather and bees. 
these things that she believes that are lies, that aren't true. But what are the lies that we believe? And why do we believe them? And I want to talk today a little bit about the lies we believe about ourselves because those are often the most destructive because our behavior follows what we believe. And the problem that we have is as we as humans search for meaning and worth, we create narratives that inform the way that we believe and often those narratives are just untrue. And we don't do it without help, right? Satan is called the father of lies. In John, it says that he speaks the language of lies. It's his native language. So what he'll do is he'll find a little bit of truth and he'll just twist it and make it seem kind of true. And then he repeats it over and over and over and over again to us until we believe it's true. And we start saying that same thing to ourselves, and it just starts this cycle of negative downward self-talk into this core truth of a lie that we end up believing in our soul. So I don't know what your inner voice says. I don't know what lies you believe, but here are a few that are common. God doesn't really care about me. I'm worthless. Nobody will ever love me. I'll never be able to change. I'm a failure. And if people really knew me, they wouldn't like me. Um, personally, my lie kind of sits in the, like the failure category. And it's something to the effect of, um, if you can't do it all right all the time, don't even try. Like, what's the point? Uh, but at different points in my life, right, there have been different lies that have been like the one. Um, like, you were never that good at what you did anyway or you don't have anything important to say, nobody wants to listen to you, or you're a fraud. And I don't know your lies, but I know that you have them. And probably sitting here, some of those big ones have started coming to your mind even now, that negative self-talk that we have. And Satan does a great job of repeating that lie to us again and again and again until it's rooted in our hearts and that destroys us because that core truth that un sorry that core untruth I should say that core lie informs our thoughts which become negative which inform our emotions which become hurtful and that lives itself out in the way we behave to others we start to create create destructive behaviors toward ourselves and others so then I thought, well, why do our brains do that? You know, like, why do we believe things that are untrue? So I started to look into a little bit of the science of the brain, and I'm not a science person at all, but I am, this was like super fascinating research. So what happens is when we take in information, our brains have neurons, and they send signals to each other. It's like kind of like a roadway, and they kind of zing, 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 zing to each other. And in between each neuron is a little gap. It's called a synapse. And when the information passes from one to another across that little gap, there's like chemicals that are released. It's a chemical transition. And that happens all the time, right? Everything from wiggling your fingers to, you know, your brain telling you when you see a brownie that you want to eat it. You know, anything like that is your neurons going zing, 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 eat the brownie. So 
when information hits your brain, the other thing that happens is it goes into your short-term memory because if it goes to long-term, then like we would be way overloaded all the time. So it goes into your short-term memory and there's only one way to send it to long-term memory. I'm sorry, not one. There are three ways. I'm only talking about one today. The most strong method of this is repetition. That makes sense, right? Because our educational methods are all based on repetition. Repetition is something that happens all the time. And what happens in repetition is when the neuron passes to the next neuron, and that happens the next time when it's repeated, that chemical interaction gets stronger. And in addition to that, there's these neural networks that are happening, like they build up almost like scaffolding. It's like your brain trying to predict what's going to happen next because your brain likes to know what's going on. So your brain constructs all these pathways and this scaffolding that like says, okay, I know when I see a brownie that I want to eat it. And the more repetition there is, the stronger those pathways get and the more likely it is that the outcome is going to be the same every single time. Repetition helps your brains grow. God designed your brain for repetition. And that would be super great if the only information we ever took in was good and positive and healthy. That would be easy. Everything would just like flow really nice and we would all be great. But the unfortunate thing is that it's not. Over time, lies creep in too. And those create those same kinds of repetitive habits. There's this um, really interesting effect. It's called the illusory truth effect. And basically what it says is that they've studied people over many different studies over a lot of time. And they show people a set of statements. And then they show them another set of statements. And some of the statements are repeated and some aren't. And they continue to do that multiple times. And what they find is that people rate the accuracy or the truthfulness of the repeated statements as higher than the statements that only appear once. So with repetition, the brain automatically is telling you, oh, that was repeated. It's probably true. It's more true than something you've not heard before. And that holds true even in like kind of unusual circumstances. They've tested this like making longer amounts of time between the repetition. They've tested it when they've told their subjects, hey, some of this stuff isn't true. They've even tested it when they ask people things that they know ahead of time, and if someone says, I know that A is true, then they show them statement B that's opposite of statement A. But if they repeat statement B later, people will still say that B is more truthful. So even when you have prior knowledge that contradicts the repeated statement, you still show that you believe it more if it's repeated. And that's because as your brain hears things more and more and more, it becomes easier for the, for the information to move along those pathways. And your brain likes ease of processing. And so it processes that it's true. It feels good when we have familiarity. It feels safe and it feels true. But the problem is, is that repetition and familiarity do not equal truth. Jeremiah 17 says that we are deceitful. We can't trust what our brain says is true. We can't always trust it. We cannot unswervingly say that if we think it's true, if it seems true, that it is so what do we do if we can't trust ourselves? The good news is that God designed our brains and he knows how it works. 
he knows that we need repetition. And so he builds repetition into our lives in order to repeat his truth, in order to help us live. God uses repetition of truth to counter and replace the lies that have become rooted in our hearts. In the Old Testament, there's a lot of repeating themes, but one major one is this concept of the people of God, the Israelites, forgetting what God has done for them and him coming back to them and repeating those truths to them over and over and over again. And then they forget again and he comes back again and they forget again and he comes back again. And this happens all the time. So God constructs these customs and traditions for them that put the truth of God literally in front of their face, physical representations of his truth in their world, in their communities, so that they don't have the opportunity to forget or, you know, hopefully don't have the opportunity to forget. We're going to be looking in Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy is basically a rule book. If you just read it on its own, it seems like kind of this complex list of rules that don't have a lot of relevance for us today. Um, But in context... Deuteronomy was like a guidebook, and the people, the writers of Deuteronomy wrote it in such a way to convince the people hearing it that this was important. They repeated over and over again, this is important, this is what God wants you to do, because they knew that that repetition of truth was important for the people to remember. They knew that their people had continually forgotten and forgotten and forgotten, and so they used that tactic of repetition in order to help them understand that this was important and they needed to pay attention. Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 12 say, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, When you're going to bed and when you are getting up, tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is God saying, create the right neural pathways to truth. Put it in front of your face. You don't have to have special training or a degree. You need to just do this in your individual lives and your families and your households. It mentions there tying them on your hands, wearing them on your foreheads. There's a Jewish custom that was literally this. And still in Orthodox households, they still do this. They would have these little things, they're called phylacteries, they're little like boxes or um, pouches that they would write teeny tiny words, specific scriptures, they would put them in these little boxes and then they would literally tie them on their hands and around their heads. This was a tactile, physical representation of the truth of God in order for them to not forget those truths. God is saying, put it on your lips every day. Let the things that surround you in your world remind you of me. And here's why you need to. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods that you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. 
In other words, things are about to get good. There's going to be distractions. And when you go there and you live in these beautiful places with things that you didn't work for, you're going to start to think that you deserve it. And when you start to think that you deserve it, that opens the door for disobedience. It allows you to get kind of complacent and forget the things that are true. And when you forget the things that are true, there's even more and more opportunities for lies to sneak in. So this is a chance for God to say, don't forget, put it in front of your eyes. Know the truth, speak the truth, and live the truth. There's another physical practice that God put in place in ancient Israel. This was um, the custom of putting up physical altars of remembrance. So when something important would happen, like um, a battle was won, or God made a promise to somebody, or a miracle happened maybe, they would set these stones up. And they were physical representations in their communities that people would walk by. And when they would see it, they would say, oh, something important happened here. And then that was a chance to talk about it and to remember it. There's a few examples of altar building um, tied to Jacob. Jacob, if you don't know who he was, was the grandson of Abraham, who's the father of the Jewish people. God had given Abraham this promise that his descendants, his children, would be this great nation that would be blessed and that they would be the people of God. And so Jacob, his grandson, in Genesis, there are three different moments where Jacob builds an altar to remember the things that God has done. The first was after a dream that Jacob had where God basically repeated the promise that he had given his grandfather to him directly, saying, you're the guy. You're the guy that this is going to happen through. The second was um, when he, it was to remember how Jacob was rescued um, by God from his brother Esau. Super dysfunctional relationship there. And then the last one was a second altar to remember how God saved Jacob from Esau. And in those instances, Jacob set up the stone to remember what had happened in that place. But then there were other factors involved. He didn't just like set up a stone and walk away. He, um, in the first example, he made a vow. He set up the stone and then he made a vow back to God. Basically what he did was he took the promise that God had given him and he repeated it back to God, claiming the promise as his own. And when he did that, he's basically holding God accountable, right? He says, okay, you say you're going to make my children into this great nation. Okay, show it, prove it. You know, you say you're a promise-keeping God, let's see if it's true. And so Jacob turns those words back to God and says, all right, God, I promise to obey you if you're going to do this. The second time, he names the altar El Elohe Israel, and in doing that, he's speaking words that say that God is now the God of this nation of Israel. And in the last, he goes through his whole camp after he sets up this altar, and he has everyone, servants, wives, children, everybody, get rid of any trace of any other God that they have. So he's taking out the old, replacing with the new, reorienting their entire family community life around the truth of God, reshaping their thoughts and putting physical things in place in order for them to remember what was pleasing and true. Because it's not just enough to know the truth. We have to speak it and put it into practice in order for it to root in our lives by reorienting our brain to the truth of God. Because God uses the same tactics that the devil uses, repetition, in order to plant the truth of God in our hearts and our lives. In our lives. 
Earlier, I mentioned um, some of the common lies that we believe. So I wanted to not just leave you with the lies, right? I wanted to also tell you, here's the truth. Here's the truth of what God says about those things. God loves me greatly. I am the image bearer of God. Nothing can take away God's love. God makes me new. He chose me for his purpose. And his opinion is the only opinion that matters. He wants to reshape our neural pathways and reorient our brain so that the truth is what is natural. The truth is what comes easily to our brains, not the lie. And when we do that, when we internalize those truths, it brings healing through our actions because when we believe a core truth rather than a core lie, then we have positive thoughts which lead to healthy emotions which then let us, give us the ability to live out God's love and truth to others. John 1, 3, 19 through 24. Sorry, I said that wrong. 1 John 3, 19 to 24 says, This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. This text talks about a core lie that says, I am not enough. But it gives us confidence because it says, when you feel like you are not enough, you're not the judge and jury of your own life. God is. And God deems us worthy even when we feel like we're not. And he repeats those same truths over and over and over and over our lives. Using the power of repetition God has designed for us and modeled for us, we need to root that truth in our hearts. Now, I'm a systems and processes person. Um, I like tangible takeaways because it's easy to say these things and it's a little bit harder to maybe like know what to do now. Um, and when I was a freshman in college, actually here at MVNU, I... Um, had a lot of issues with kind of believing a lot of those core lies. Um, the biggest one was that I felt like I just like, I felt like a fraud, you know. I knew all the right answers, but like I couldn't figure out what a relationship with Jesus felt like. And I felt like people looked to me as like some model of a good Christian character, and I just, I felt like that wasn't true. And I was talking to an upperclassman, and she gave me some tangible things that I could try to do. And it really turned my relationship with God around. And he started to do the things that I've talked about today, just like inherently in me over time. He just started speaking those truths to me until I believed them. And so I like to talk about it because like if someone had said this stuff to me earlier, I might have figured it out a little earlier, you know. Um, because repeating those truths changes your pathways. And for me, now I feel like when I hear something that's not true, my brain flags it, you know? And I can kind of say, oh, that doesn't seem right. And that helps me to keep it at bay. 
not like it doesn't happen, right? I still have lies that try to get in, but I try not to let those take root in my heart. So I want to give you a couple of kind of tips of what to do if you're kind of like me. The first thing and the most important thing that you can do is learn what the voice of God sounds like. And if you're like, I don't know how to do that, this is, this is how. Um, spending time in the word of God helps you to learn what's in his character, what sounds like him. Kind of like the more you spend time, it's kind of like if someone says to me like, oh, Ryan told me this. I instinctively am like, oh, yeah, that sounds like him. Or are you sure? Are you sure that's what he said? That doesn't seem like something he would say. It's the same thing with God. As you spend time in his word, you learn what he sounds like. You learn the kinds of things that it's in his character to say and the kinds of things that aren't. Um, that upperclassman, when I was a freshman, what she told me to do is something I want to share with you today because it was super impactful in learning about the voice of God. She said, um, start in like the book of Psalms, it's a good place to start, and read like one chapter or maybe even less and read it as if you're speaking it to God. And then after you're done with that, turn it around and read it as if God is saying it to you. And I would write this because otherwise I get distracted. So it was easier for me to write it. So I wasn't all distracted. And I want to model that for you really quickly today. Um, last night I literally just flipped open to the book of Psalms. I did not spend a lot of time choosing a passage because this works on a very broad level. So Psalm 107.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. So step one, say it as if I'm saying it to God. Thank you, God. You are good, and your love never ends. Then flip it as if God's saying it to you. Daughter, I am good, and I will never stop loving you. When you read scripture like this, it comes alive. You learn what the voice of God sounds like. And when I journaled it, I journaled basically, you know, this is mine, this is God's. And then I would read back through it. And that repetition of those truths over time rebuilt those neural pathways. Spending time in God's word will help you learn his voice. And once you know what his voice sounds like, it's easier to figure out those negative things that are trying to creep in that are not true. You'll start to say, wait, I just wrote or read that, you know, God made me perfectly, you know? He, I'm made in his image. So when I feel like, you know, I'm terrible, that's probably not true because that's not what God says about me. When you have those negative emotions, then you can kind of pinpoint where are the lies. And once you find a lie, you need to find the truth in Scripture and through prayer of what God says about that, and then you have to repeat it over and over and over and over your life. And God will do that for you too. You'll start to see it everywhere you look. That same truth repeated over and over and over again. And over time, as you put it on the door frames of your houses, as you wear it on your hand and on your forehead, as you talk about it when you get up and when you go to bed and when you're on the road and when you're at home, those truths will replace the lie. Two uh, really quick notes before I finish up. Um, a lot of these concepts um, 
you can read about them in a book. It's a fabulous book um, called The Search for Significance by Robert McGee. And so if you feel like you want a little bit to dig into this a little bit more, kind of from an almost counseling kind of perspective, it's a fantastic book. It has a study guide that goes with it. Um, so many of the concepts in that book are things that God took me through before I ever read it. And I read it and I was like, wow, that's what he was doing? Cool. <laughs> um, and secondly, if you find yourself in a position of influence over a young person, if you are a parent, a grandparent, a neighbor, a friend, a coach, a teacher, um, these are the things that our kids need to know. They need to know what God says about them. They need to know the truth of who God made them to be. So speak those truths over your kids again and again and again and again so that the truth roots in their hearts. Sorry. So the truth, rather than lies, root itself in their hearts. And as a mom, I want nothing more than that. Then my kids to know the truth. Let them see you doing the hard work on yourself so that they know that it's not just for them, it's for you too. And don't trust, don't rely just on us here in this room or in kid life to do that for your kids. Do it for them. Speak truth to yourself. Speak truth to your kids often and loudly. Speak truth over your life. Let's pray. God, you are good. And you are the author of truth, and you are not deceitful. You are a promise keeper, and you love us with a deep and never-ending love. As we go from here today, help us to root out the lies that have taken hold in our hearts. Tell us the truth. Repeat it to us so that we have the ability to repeat it to ourselves. You are powerful. You are stronger than lies and the enemy. And we know that you'll do this work for us because you've said that you will. And you are a promise keeper. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being truth. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together today. to the beginning can control what tomorrow will bring but I know here in the middle is a place where you promise to be we sing it together today
out together. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? New life, leave here today knowing the love that your Father has for you, speaking that over and over and over again in your life. Pray that you guys have a great